Hello. Thank you so much for listening to Reads and Weeds. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, and share us with your book-loving, weed-smoking friends. Bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Reads and Weeds. This is Shelly. This is the show where we smoke, read, and read books, talk about cannabis news, and usually have a lot of fun. So today I am talking with Roberta King about a book that she recommended called Budding Prospects by T.C. Boyle. And it is, it's so real. If you're in the cannabis industry, I can't wait to talk about it. Roberta was just asking me right before we got on here, how did this how did we end up doing this? Like, how do we even know each other? So I'm going to see if I can trace the thread back. So it is 2021. It is September, 2021, the first day of September that we're recording this. We're at the kind of long schlag tail end of a worldwide pandemic. But before the long slog of the worldwide pandemic, October 2019, I was the MICIA membership director, Michigan Cannabis Industry Association membership director, and was going to networking meetings on the west side of Michigan. And I believe I ended up at a at a meeting at the Pyramid Scheme. Yes. And several people told me that I needed to meet you because you were the person on that side of the state that knew what was going on in areas that I didn't, places like Grand Rapids and Muskegon. And so I met you and we hung out for a minute. You were at a table with people who were sharing their like Rice Krispie Medibles. It was a lady who brought Rice Krispie Medibles with her to share. Mm -hmm. I met a lot of cool people there and, and it was great. And then I bumped into you at one other thing like that mm -hmm. about a month later. And then the way that we got here and you recommended this book was I put out on a Facebook cannabis networking group. Yeah. I put out there that, you know, this is what I do and I want recommendations for books. And would you like to be on the show? And you recommended this book, uh, which I immediately ordered and then realized I already had like 10 episodes planned. <laughs> I was like, why did I ask for all these other referrals? I've already got it. So um, yeah, does that sound familiar? Does that sound right? Yeah, it does now. It, it totally does now. And I had forgotten about the whole um, membership thing that didn't happen because of COVID, you know? And oh, yeah. That, just oh, yeah. Went, that went down in a, in a slow, yeah. So yeah. And, and then, yeah, you mentioned the book and this is like, really the only book that I have ever read, I mean, n fiction that is totally dedicated to, to, you know, a cannabis story. And maybe I haven't read a lot of them. T.C. Boyle is such a noted writer. You know, he's really oh, yeah. well known. And um, for people in Michigan, he wrote The Road to Wellville, which was made into a movie, which was yes. W.K. Oh, my God. Yes. I, oh, my God. I just I watched that literally like less than three months ago. And because I heard that story about Serial City and that whole yep. thing on yep. another podcast called The Dollop, uh -huh. and so I ended up looking into him. Yeah. back then and I didn't realize until I was halfway through the book that it was the same author same so, guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so I've read a lot of his books 
And I first heard, even though I'd read a lot of his books previously, this one is not, um, you know, it's a full-blown novel, so it isn't in collections I have. I have a lot of his short stories and one of those big fat books with, you know, seven short story books inside it. Yeah. Um, and I had The Road to Wellville and a few other ones. And, and um, I was meeting with a, a friend of mine who was a grower um, and a caregiver, I should say, over um, in Spring Lake and does Scapegoat Genetics is his company. So Wee Woo is his name. And Wee Woo and I were talking about books. And he's like, yeah, have you ever read Budding Prospects? So we were talking about T.C. Boyle. And he's like, oh, yeah, Budding Prospects. And I'm like, no, I haven't read it. And so went home, ordered it right away, got it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is such a great book. And I've talked to him about it a couple of times, but never, never really anybody else or turned anybody else on to it. So. Oh, my God. I love it. So, so I have to say for a minute, I was totally focused on what I was going to do next. But you have a friend named Wee Woo and his company is called Scapegoat. That's like the best yeah. thing I've heard. I love, I yep. need to know a lot more about that, but I don't want to yep. get too tangential. Like we'll yes. have to have another call about that. But before we jump in, I wanted to see, um, t remind me what you do. Because at the time that I met you, you were working on some ordinances and all these things happening in Muskegon and you were... Yep consulting yep. and then you were marketing and then I and yep. then you referred me maybe did you refer me to Connie uh no I think Connie might have referred you to me maybe maybe so, but yeah. so tell me what you were doing then okay. I'm curious a little bit about this how did you first get involved in cannabis and okay. were you like an activist activist or okay. did yeah. you yeah tell me that I'm just curious okay. kind of like this so I um traditional kind of life thing, you know, like went to college, got a job. So first 10 years, I worked for the Red Cross and I worked for the Grand Rapids Art Museum. And then I worked for Mercy Hospital in Muskegon. And then I was with the Grand Rapids Community Foundation in Grand Rapids. And so traditional career, getting toward the end of my time, you know, in, in working and I can, yeah, you know, I can see the retirement horizon coming and, and it's like, do, you know, as much as I love the community foundation and the work I did, I just didn't want to coast there until retirement. And when you've done something for 13 years, you, you, yeah. you, you got it down, you know? And so, um, so I was thinking about doing other things and sort of dreamed up the idea that of this cannabis PR firm. And so I, I left the community foundation. And after I did a lot of planning and thinking and soul searching and saving and research, left the community foundation um, and took, and that was this is like four years ago and, and opened the company. And, um, you know, with, you know, it was just as Michigan was moving into medical licensing. And um, so I thought, oh, there's an opportunity. Well, you know, the opportunity really didn't happen until um, Prop 1. So, and I worked really hard with um, a number of other people on Prop 1 and getting that passed. So yay for that, because that helped save my business. And then um, I also worked really hard in Muskegon to get ordinance is passed. So this had been like six years ago for medical marijuana and then for um, for really a very robust recreational marijuana, um, you know, ordinance. So we have a lot of stores in Muskegon, I think um, like seven within the city of Muskegon. They have yeah, also I went to three of them. I yeah, went to three of them. And, you know, sat down, met 
a bunch of people there and was Ooh. like, wow, they are embracing it up here. Like they are not kidding. Like, and, and it's and a little seaside area. So, yeah. you know, little lovely lake town kind of very, thing. Very cute little town and actually cute city and lots to do here. And it's pretty cool. And we have um, also opted in um, for um, events here. So um, I have a marijuana event organizer license. Um, and so working with two clients on two events, one in mid-October and one um, on, ha- on uh, Halloween on the 30th. So, Oh my gosh, how fun. Yeah. And so that's, that makes Muskegon kind of cool and that we have that, um, that option for. What for is it? So, so I have another friend who's wanting, or do you know Chef Gigi? No. She, she's done the tea. Anyway, I'll talk to you about it because we're talking about, you know, an associate, we're talking about an association that's just about tourism and catering and events. Sure. Yeah. Kind of a, anyway, I'll, I'll ask you about it because I forgot you had that because yeah. those licenses aren't as plentiful as some of the others, right? They're much more specific, correct? Yeah, they're kind of specific, you know, I mean, it's an inexpensive license to get. It's not, you know, terribly expensive. And the startup cost is just your brains and a computer and you have to be good yeah. at events and, and organizing and you have to, you know, be able to jump on the Acela website and put your, you know, stuff in and um, and know how to, to do that. Um, it's not difficult, but you have to like doing events, you know, and that's yeah. not for everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And so do you I mean, have a property or do you just find property? I go to where clients are. So where if, oh. if they, they, the one event is going to be on the property of a provisionary and the other is going to be on the property of a grow. Oh, lovely. Oh, I'll talk to you more about that. I'll talk to you more about that. Cause that's really, that's really interesting. So, okay. So now you're, now you're here. Yeah. Now the business. Yeah. So after, you know, after rec passed and everything picked up. And so I work with a really small book of clients I'm not a big firm. It's just me use other people, you know, designers or whatever, if I need them, but generally, <clears throat> excuse me, do most of the work myself couple of provisioning centers and uh, uh, two grows, a law firm, and I do a lot of work for Public Health Muskegon County in their harm reduction where in regards to cannabis. So, Oh, that's pretty great. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Roberta recommended Budding Prospects by T.C. Boyle, and I think it came out in 1983. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... I'd never heard of it. And the thing is, is I've read a lot of books about cannabis, but all nonfiction, like all about history or activism or healing, but not just a story that the whole story was about the grow and everything. And as soon as it started, I was just like, oh man, yeah, I'm going to know every person in this story, you know, and it's going to be so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Because just like, oh, no, they're making all the mistakes and they have the wrong expectations. And it's just like, ah. So tell me what you loved about the book. Well, I think all the characters are interesting and strong. You know, the the parts of a, a, a book, you know, are really, you know, you have to have your conflict, you have to have your drama, you, you know, and you have to know, you know, their, you know, motivations, you know, you look at a character in a book and, you know, what are, uh, what are their motivations, you know, and for 
pretty much everybody in this book, it was money from Vogel saying on down, you know, they were out to make money. And that was always, you know, the motivation, you know, all those other little sub motivations and and just full of interesting uh, people popping in and out of the story, the the cop, the um, yeah, neighbors, the neighbor's neighbors weird son, you know, I mean, yes, yes. And and the love interest, I mean, it was all going on, but they were all really well, you know, well-developed characters and, and just interesting. And I think, you know, of all of them, Vogelsang, the guy whose big idea it was, who took, you know, no responsibility for it. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, I thought he was interesting. The other thing I liked was, you know, Boyle is such an amazing writer. So if, if somebody wants to read this, they have to realize that they're reading literature. So you're going to get this, you know, funny story about these guys caught up in this weed growing scam. And this is pre-legalization in California. But the writing is so beautiful. And I have this um, this little paragraph I want to read. He said, at 4 a.m. I pulled into a truck stop and sat hunched over the counter on a cracked vinyl stool, spooned up grease and eggs and listened to moronic country inflected yodeling from the jukebox and drank eight cups of coffee that tasted like death and metal. <laughs> you know, I know. It's like stuff like that. You know, he's talking about miss I miss the turnoff for Chernisky's place. Everything uniform at this altitude, snow on the ground, like a fungus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Like as a forest of Dixon pencils, you know, it's like, Oh, he's so descriptive, you know? It's- oh yeah. He's so good at, okay. So just to put this into perspective for the listeners, if you've never heard of this book, there's a man who's like 32, he's living in the city, he's divorced. His name is Felix. And he's just kind of minding his own business in a malaise of sort of inactivity and no ambition. And then suddenly this wacky friend shows up and asks if he wants to make a half a million dollars. He needs to decide real quick. Yeah, like today. He needs to decide today. He needs to go grab two friends and they're going to go grow 2,000 weed plants in the mountains in California. And he's like, all right. (laughs) He just gets up and goes and does it. And so the whole rest of the book is every single obstacle and shady character and terrible emotion. And imagine three or four frustrated late twenties, early thirties dudes with like no release and driving each other crazy in every terrible physical circumstance. And also they're scared because it's illegal, but it's pretty much hilarious, even though it's tragedy after tragedy. I mean, it's, it's like the grapes of wrath for these guys. I mean, if it could go wrong, it will, you know, and, you know, they're up in, in the top of Northern California and think it sounds like Humboldt County or something like that. Yeah. And they are it's raining, you know, and they've got these plants and it's just the wet and they're living in like, it's so terrible chicken coop, you know, that <laughs> nasty, nasty shit, you know, that leaks. Yeah. And they're just, they're sure they're going to like make money and they got the 2000 plants and just everything goes wrong. Everything you know? is wrong. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm reading this. Well, I don't know if you can tell, but I've still got on my overalls from work. 
<laughs> I'm covered in bug bites, like literally right now covered in bug bites. I have like, I come home every day and I check my whole body for ticks and I've got like weird bruises on my body. I've got dirt under my fingernails and I'm reading this book and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I've done this. Like yeah. back in July when the mosquitoes were really, really, really bad. And then um, it rained for a while. Mm -hmm. And I realized like, oh, I'm okay working in the middle of a field in the pouring rain because it feels so much better than the mosquitoes. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh, this feels so good. Yeah, yeah. which is yeah. 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 And so then they have close calls with the with the law and Felix is falling for a woman in town and they oh, then the, the the law guy, they get this law guy who's after him and you know pulls him over and throws him in jail and oh yeah, that guy's like the through line of the whole story. Cause yeah. remember he's going to pick up his he has to go pick up one of the guys that he's gonna take with him out there. Yeah. He has yeah. to pick him up from jail. He like yes. drives to Lake Tahoe, goes to a guy's house. And all these scenes, I'm like, I've done something kind of like this, you yeah. know, at least yeah. sort of. Have, have I driven 10 hours away to pick up, up somebody on a moment's notice? Yeah, of course yeah. I have, you know, so yeah. like, sure, that, that makes sense. And then um, he gets to this guy's house. He's not there. They say he's in jail. He goes to get the guy in jail and pretty immediately makes a u-turn and pisses off a cop and that yep. cop kind of haunts him yeah to the end of the story how do you say that name do you say jerbach jerbach Jer uh, jerbach yeah <clears throat> jerbach okay yeah. Yeah. so they, this cop has very little interaction but you just get the sense that he's just a dick right yeah <laughs> Worst. Yeah, just awful. Yeah, just, just awful. Just, yeah, awful. Yeah, and so these guys are up in this camp. And they're they got nothing to do but watch these plants. But they have three of them up there because you know they got to water them every day. And when it's not raining, and then they have to. I think they have to walk the perimeter. They had to put up a fence when they first got there. That was the oh, yeah. One it's thing. huge yeah. amount of work. They, the work that they're describing, like just yeah. from. The farms I've worked on, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A nightmare. Oh, yeah. Three yeah. of them trying to deal with 2,000 plants is crazy. 2,000 plants over all these acres in this mountainous area. And, and then the plants get in and then they have to get rid of some of the, get rid of the males. They have to go through and look at all of them. And, and I think this is also what's, what's kind of interesting to me is that a lot of this was sort of before sophisticated growing, you know, really happened. So they were talking about separating the males and females after they're already in the ground in the wilderness, you know, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. That, instead of like hot lighting it. And after that, you know, I don't know. So that, I, I yeah, that yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Funny. You know, I think the fact that it was, you know, in the 80s, probably like super revolutionary. And now it's there's just kind of some funny things in there that oh, yeah, that are just of the time, you know? And well, what I thought was so great was like, I'm totally relating because basically it's, it's farming, you know? And if you think that you're, you can go from just never farming to knowing exactly how to farm. Yeah. So keep the phrase 
improper expectations on uh-huh. him because I'm going to read a passage. So this is, oh, I thought it was hilarious also that he just does like chapter one, chapter two, and then he starts a new section, chapter one, chapter two, and then he starts a new section. So not a, this is on page 58 in my book, and, and they're just starting to plant. And he's explaining something to us. He's saying, when you're growing a contraband crop, you can't just step out the front door, plow up a field and sow seeds as if you were raising corn, pumpkins and squash. No, you've got to be discreet. And with discretion in mind, Dowsted suggested we plant in widely separated patches in the midst of existing strands of vegetation as a means of subverting aerial detection. During the dry months, he'd explain, our plants would be the only viridescent vegetation for miles and if concentrated they would stand out like an oasis in the desert they're explaining how not only have they never farmed and it's hilly and they've got to build a fence and there's a weird neighbor but they can't plant it all together they also have to spread it out all throughout the woods yeah yeah disguise it yeah. And I think what's kind of funny is that you realize that they got them into it. They, they told them, you know, that they were just going to plant these plants and there's a cabin there you can stay in and we'll pay you all this money and blah, blah, blah. But they don't tell them any of those specifics. So they, they go into this not knowing anything about what they're going to do and like totally get just like worked to death. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So one of the things you were talking about was motivation. And I think all of them, it was money. But also, if you just right now have six months free, mm-hmm. your life isn't going that great. You know? so, yeah. Yeah. so one of them was like divorced and unemployed. The other one was maybe running from something and mm-hmm. you, know, you need to get out of the town. You know, so this is still the way it's set up so much of the time. There's Mm -hmm. a guy you don't see that much, but he's charismatic and he has the money and he can Mm -hmm. paint the picture. Then you've got the guy who's the plant expert. He's just going to pop in and out and he'll get his hands dirty, but he's not just a laborer. And then the laborers who are like, we're going to do this as long as we can. But if it gets messed up, we don't know what's going on. And it's still like that in so many places. It's still like that. Oh, my God. It is. Holy crap. Oh, this is what I was going to say. I wanted to see if you could relate to this. So improper expectations, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because if you're either one of us and you've been around this industry in some way or another for quite a while, Mm -hmm. then then these people pop up and you go, oh no, you can't trust that guy. Or, oh no, that's not going to turn out right. You can see it coming a mile away, right? But it is written in a way that you can feel that they do not see it coming. Like they don't expect the place to be a shithole. They don't expect to get ripped off. They don't expect it to rain all night and then be too hot. They don't expect the bugs. They don't, you know, they just don't expect it. And it cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah. They're always just so surprised when it happens (laughs) and they act out, you know, they, they throw things and they beat up on each other and they, you know, run off and drink every once in a while. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah. Um, they all act out and then they, you know, they get that terrible road that they have to drive down. And honestly, probably, you know, 5% of this book is describing this hideous road they have to drive down to get to this nowhere in the middle of nowhere cabin where they're you know growing the weed but the road I mean it's just like 
oh no, not the road again. I mean, it eats axles and blows up tires and, you know, it's yes. just. Oh, yes. Well, what I love about this book, what I love about this book is he doesn't let any of the characters really be great people you know what I mean they're all kind of pieces of shit you know yeah so and it's wonderful because they're all so human like none of them are taking the high road yeah no none of them are stepping up and being the better man they're all like no this is bullshit I'm gonna throw this mash I just made up against the wall and yeah. be there for the rest of the time that we live here yeah yeah. And, yeah and if you've ever worked with a bunch of dirty boy farmers you know yeah left unchecked that's exactly what it would be like yeah yeah holy crap okay moving along in this story so I'd say Felix is the main protagonist right yeah. like he's yep. the guy that that's is just sitting there mind his own business and gets mm -hmm. thrown into this opportunity. Yeah. And he really believes it and he needs something to do. And he's just like, okay, let's go do it. He recruits the yeah. other two guys. But I would say Felix is kind of like, he starts the book by saying, I quit. I'm a quitter. Yeah. I quit everything. Yeah. <laughs> he describes it all and he quit his marriage. Yeah. Yeah. He's a quitter. And then I also like the part where he, I think it's a little further down where he's like, there's nothing that I have ever happened in my life that would set me on this life of crime. I was raised by, you know, two happily married parents, was a boy scout, da, 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 da. there was nothing that, that happened in my life that set me on this life of crime and then talks about, you know, boredom and whatnot, you know, and so but I thought that was funny how he describes himself, you know, in these kind of longish passages are really quite quite good oh yeah oh yeah so nobody's really good like it's hard to know who to I think you're pulling for the guys growing the plants yeah. You know? yeah and you just wish they would behave a little bit but yeah. they can't because they're just fed up and they're horny and they're yeah. bored and everything's against them and yeah so the improper expectations thing is they go out there and I still see this. I see this every day in the cannabis industry. People are like, oh yeah, well, we're going to go 2000 plants at two pounds a plant and we're going to make this much money and get this much per pound. And if you've been around the world ever, you're going, no, it's not going to work that way. That's pie in the sky yeah. bullshit right there yeah and then when it act when they actually start seeing it like oh these plants just died these ones caught on fire these ones yeah. got trampled by a bear <laughs> these yeah. ones yeah. Got, yeah. these ones are males you yeah. know so as they see it all going down so painful because i'm like oh i think i remember when i realized that for the first time mm -hmm. It was yeah. just terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally true. Yeah, I think too, you know, he didn't, he wrote this, but he did, you know, some good research, I think, on on growing cannabis, you know, I mean, the author in order to do this, because he talks in here about the once a daily quotient of sunlight was superseded by a greater period of darkness. I mean, how beautiful is that? You know, that's oh, yeah. Yeah, not just saying on the, at the beginning of fall, but once the daily quotient of sunlight was superseded by a greater period of darkness, the plants automatically began to bud. It was built in their genes and that was that. 
The later you got your seedlings in the ground, the smaller your plants would be when the autumnal equinox rolled around. The smaller the plants, the smaller the harvest. You didn't have to be a botanist to appreciate how all this smallness would relate to net profit. So, I mean, it's like, it's just beautiful, you know? Oh, yeah. And I, what he's good at is taking the reader on the ride, yeah. right? Like the momentum of this decision got made and then mm -hmm. we were on the road and then we encountered this cop. Like it, it's yeah. the pace yeah. is so fun. Like you get yeah. the exhaustion yeah. of the pace of like when you know they're about to crack yeah like you feel it coming because the way he builds up he builds up the fact that all of them are punchy because of the circumstances yeah and yep. one of them's and they keep kind of messing up little things and have little grudges against each other and they kind of want to quit but they're locked in it together and they yeah. don't want to get in trouble so they're yeah. scared and yeah and then some of them just don't give a shit you know yeah. so yeah, yeah. I think you don't get to know Gesh and Phil as well as you do Felix, but they do have things, you know, something to the story. And the other two, or the other thing that I think is that at each time in what moves the story along is like, everybody has a personal crisis of some sort in this. All of the characters go through some very bad spell, or they're really unreasonably angry about something or so, you know, it's just interesting. They punch up every once in a while, but just, you know, move it along as, you know, to support Felix, I guess. Oh, yeah. It's it's such a good metaphor. I think I'm just going to say right now that I've been smoking this Shiraz pre-roll. Uh -huh. No, no, I did Liberty Haze. Liberty Haze. It's from Island Farms in Ann Arbor. Okay. And, um, Pretty good. Yeah, Caregiver Grow. Yeah, it's real good. It's real good. But all of a sudden I was like, whoa, speaking of being high, I just got really philosophical. As I was thinking about the way it begins and the way it ends and what happens to Felix, who's arguably the main character and his prospects of being with Petra mm -hmm. and the prospect that's just barely hinted at of them having a baby, you know, <laughs> that kind of play on words is really fun, I think, because yeah. Felix is starts the story talking about how he's a quitter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And immediately when he meets this potter, oh no, he saves her from the side of the road, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. She's getting roughed up. Oh my God, that's right. But he's just totally enamored with her, whatever. Yeah. And he tells her at this absolutely crazy time when he's been through a fire and all this stuff, he tells her the truth that he like quit on his first wife, yeah. right? Yeah. On his marriage. And then he gets in this mindset shortly thereafter where he's not going to quit. He's not going to yeah. quit the farm. Yeah. He's not going to quit the grow. I love that because yeah. he's just like so happy, so at peace, knowing that yeah. he's not going to quit. You know, yeah. like yeah. we're doing this, we're harvesting this shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it was so that he could stay close to Petra. You know, he wanted to not be moved away from her to some degree. You know, um, the other thing I always think was kind of interesting how they always gravitated toward the uh, bar or restaurant called the bum steer, you know? Oh yeah. It's probably because it was the only thing. Only thing there. Yeah. And they go there and they drink and drink too much and they get into discussions they shouldn't with the locals and kinds of 
fun stuff happens there. I mean, I guess, you know, you always kind of need one of those places in there that people go to, you know, gravitate towards. So, yeah. And it's perfect too, because I'm sure you can relate to this, right? At some point in the last 20 years, you were probably more in the closet about cannabis than you are now. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So when you were out and about in a bar or in a restaurant, you would probably choose what you were going to say about weed yeah who was around have that going on yeah so but they had you know interesting stuff took place there i thought that was cool i liked the idea of the bum steer and the people that hung out there and sherelle the woman who owned it and was her bum steer (laughs) oh my god that bar is so like a picture that bar just being there like of course that bar exists you know I know that bar and there's those that set of people that are there yeah Yeah. and the reason why people start fighting you know could be just could just be nothing yeah yeah so so one thing I, I was thinking about was that when they first met their next door neighbor Lloyd Sapers (laughs) <laughs> they had to have a story to tell him. And so they told him that oh, yeah. they, oh, yeah. they were there to like dry out from being alcoholics and to. Right. 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 Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So and then I was just looking at the thing where Lloyd Sapers comes in and he's drunk and he, he's at the bar and he's kind of surprised to see. Uh, see him there he says well Jesus H Christ and all the saints and martyrs sapers rolled if it ain't the teetotalers you know Gash and him and Phil <laughs> like wow you know so the whole story the the cover has almost been blown oh yeah so this is something that I thought was hilarious because I'm sure you've had this like have you ever met someone and been really careful not to talk about weed about around them because you thought they had a certain kind of feeling about it uh-huh and then later on, you found out that they've been growing as long as you have. Yeah. Like they weren't telling you if you ever had that. So there's this weed trimming job that I do. And uh-huh. it's in town. The people there are like, yeah, nobody knows we do this. And I'm like, why not? You know? And they go, well, you know, it's just some people think this way. So I'm like, so then they realized that another person they knew had to grow too because they ended up knowing one of the people that we knew or whatever they never talk about it and so now I'm like I think you guys need to realize that most of the people in this town grow weed you know it's like and you you should just start talking to each other about it because then you can all just relax a little bit you know so I'm always kind of pushing I'm always kind of pushing uh them to do that so this this is on page 264 this is felix has kind of been ridiculously obsessed with this woman named petra that he met on the side of the road and then she owned this pottery studio and then he kind of stood up stood her up on their first day because he got freaked out he left her at the party then the next time he writes her like really long elaborate letters that are way too over the top and then he shows up at her house after he's been on fire and in the emergency room he's nuts and he shows up at her house yeah and she you don't know what's going to happen it's she doesn't just throw her arms around him she's kind of studying him like 
oh my God, it's this dude again. You know, and she's sort of like open-minded. Yeah. And he's just really vulnerable and loving her. So he says, uh, yes, I'd insulted her friends, deserted her on our first and only date, plagued her with rambling letters and appeared on her doorstep at five in the morning. But there were extenuating circumstances. I was a nice guy, trustworthy, loyal, sane, and sympathetic. Really, I was. We're not up here for our health, I said. Her laugh surprised me. She reached out to pat my bandaged hand. I didn't see that, she said. I acknowledged her point with a tight, rueful smile, then lowered my head again. We're growing pot. <laughs> Petra looked at me curiously, as if in that moment I'd emerged from darkness to light, as if I'd molted, sloughed off a strange skin and metamorphosized into the familiar. So that's it, she said, smiling a wide, beautiful, closed lip smile. I should have guessed. And I thought you were schizophrenic or something or married. She was watching me over the rim of her cup, her eyes flaring with amusement. Remember Teddy and Sarah? I nodded. I wanted to get it over with, give her all the sorry details. I wanted to justify myself. I wanted absolution. They've got a patch too. So does Alice. She's gestured at the dark window pane. I've even got five plants myself. Buried out there in a clump of pompous grass. Everybody grows around here. It's no big thing. <laughs> so <laughs> this whole passage, I was just cracking up yeah. because I'm like, this is so many people I know who they're like, we know somebody who grows weed. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. everybody grows weed. <laughs> Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Act like it's tomatoes or watermelons or something. We don't have to make a big deal out of it. But yeah. he's had every single thing at stake. Yeah. Yeah. Super high stakes. Yeah. And he lays this truth on her and she's like, oh yeah, everybody grows <laughs> Yeah. That was a that was an epic section. I remember highlighting that too. It was really good. Yeah. One of the things that I love about this book is how he describes the physical, like a lot of gross physical details. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like he describes the whole house when they get there and it's just, do you know what I mean? The, the oh, yeah. broken and mold and leaking and hinges yeah. that don't work. And oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about, he describes the negative really, really well. But I put him up against anybody when it comes to just, I was looking at something about describing the ground of yellow and look like a scab had been peeled off it or something. Oh God. You know, I mean, oh yeah, that's the ground, you know? And it's, yeah, he's just very good at good stuff that just makes it come alive, you know? Yes. Oh, I got to read some more. So um, it's late in the story. They've lost a lot of plants and it will not stop raining. They've thought a lot about what to do when there's no water because they just like add water, but they yeah. really didn't think about it never stopping raining. And now they're really worried and they need to decide whether they're having varying opinions. The, the housemates are Gash, Phil and Felix, and they're yeah. having competing feelings about what they should do in this also Gesh is burnt to a crisp yes. and uh, covered in bandages and just in such a fuck it type situation <laughs> mindset, you know, it's just kind of becoming a different person altogether. So 
I was thinking that phoning Doust wouldn't be such a bad idea, especially if it would give me an excuse to drop in on Patra as long as I was in town. When Phil emerged from the shadowy depths of his room, as if from the black hole of Calcutta, his eyes were watery and flecked with red, his bandages dirty, a joint glowed in his hand and a haze of marijuana smoke seemed to seep from his ears and cling like a phantom to the shorn crown of his head. He had been sedating himself diligently since the fire to ease the smart of the burns, he insisted, but changing the bandages far less faithfully. Morning, he said, shuffling across the room to the stove, where he fired up all four burners and held his hands out flat as if he were roasting wieners. We watched himself pour himself a cup of coffee, cradled it in his hands, blow on it and take a tentative sip, watched with open-minded concentration as if we'd never before seen so subtle and astonishing a feat. What about it? He said, finally, swinging around to face us. The weather stinks, Vogel sings a liar, and I'm the mummy's ghost. Let's get stoned. <laughs> stoned, straight, drunk, sober. It didn't make a shred of difference. Why not, I said. <laughs> like, they're just realizing, like, this is not going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. It does not matter. Like, we don't have to be on our A game because it, like everything's sideways and we need yeah. to just embrace it. Yeah. 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 There is no A game in this story. Oh dear God. It's so funny. So, okay. So I know you're growing three right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me, you named them after literary characters. No, I named them after three women I went to high school with. I went to uh, West Michigan Christian high school in Muskegon. I, so I started out with seven plants. One was a male. And so I got rid of him and then I had six females. No, I guess I only had six to start. One was me, I threw him away. And then I gave two to my friend Joy to grow in her garden. And then I, um, I kept three and I wanted to just make notes about their growth and what was, you know, what was happening and who was maturing faster and notes, you know? And so I decided to give them a name and I don't know why, but I started and I named the, oh, I wanted them to have names that started with S-H, you know, um, like she, right? You know, because they're female plants. That's how it started. So the first one was Sheila and then was Shelly. How about that? Yay! I know Sheila and Shelly. And then I didn't, I knew that I didn't have any more SH female friends. And I just thought about this uh, friend of mine from high school named Beth. And so I named her Beth. So I have Sheila, Shelly, and Beth are my three plants. Yeah. And is that (laughs) like, have you ever grown a huge amount or is it usually just a few? This is the first time I've ever grown it all. Really? And the seeds I got are scapegoat genetic seeds. Nice. We will. We will. Gave me. He gifted them to me. And he has been my cannabis um, mentor when, you know, I didn't know if they were male or female. I sent him pictures. He told me yes or no. And so, you know, and then when I got a yellow leaf, well, you know, I had to send him a picture of the yellow leaf and, you know, no, no, it's not a problem. I've got one that's not grown as fast. I mean, it was just like the, the poor man is just the same. Yeah. And so I have three and they're about between five and a half and six feet tall. And they, nice. are, are, they are black 
cherry cheesecake cookies. Oh man, I've trimmed, I've trimmed some black cherry cheesecake recently that was fat. Yeah, yeah, these are looking pretty good right now. So I'm I'm excited about that. But yeah, this is my first time uh, growing and um, I don't know if I were fully successful and got an entire pound of weed, I would be beyond happy. So we'll see how these ladies do. So do you grow other stuff? Heirloom tomatoes from seed, date-till peppers, which are like a habanero, a hot pepper, and padron peppers, and um, mostly tomatoes. We just, we we do a lot of tomatoes, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just realized there's something really interesting um, about the way this book ends. Yes. Like, I love it so much that he kind of leaves everything hanging, (laughs) right? Literally, literally. So uh, if you've never grown before or gardened or anything, like harvest has to be timed out and you have to do it when the weather is a certain thing and when things are at a certain amount of ripeness. You know, it's the same with peaches, the same with corn, it's the same with lettuces, whatever, right? And with cannabis, it's very, very specific because... If it goes too far, it's not good. And if it's not, it's got to be just right. (laughs) And then get it out of the ground and hang it upside down and let all the nutrients get to the ends of the buds. And then it's got to dry. Like you have to do all these little interesting, Mm -hmm. but it's still kind of an art. Like if you're looking at this plant every day and one day you're like, wait. (laughs) I think you seized up on us. I don't see a bug. I don't see a broken limb, you know, like we're, just it's very interesting kind of everyday study mm-hmm. and I do find it fascinating to look at them I mean just how fast they went from seeds to their little main roots out and how fast when we put them in the into the ground how fast they grew I mean they just got I've never seen anything grow as fast as weed you know oh I know I know and it's and it's interesting to go like I just did a big, huge, like D-fan round on a few plots, you know, Mm -hmm. where I really, really left almost no fan leaves. And I swear Mm -hmm. it rained over the weekend and I came back and I was like, oh my God, they're twice as big now. What the hell? I know. I give mine, literally, I go out every other night and they get a trim. And I just figure if I go out regularly enough and give it a good half hour effort on each of them i'll get most of what needs to come off before the next one grows you know it's i know isn't it amazing it is i was thinking when i was reading this it has the same energy as documentary about a crazy tech startup Mm -hmm. you know where just a bunch of young men are like yeah let's make a half million dollars and they just start going nuts and they just make terrible decisions and yeah there's yeah. some people at the top with money who screw things up. Like it has that same yeah. feeling of like, oh, this is a bunch of guys with maybe more money than sense and yeah. like they yeah. don't trust each other. It's got no. that same vibe. It's just yeah. set in this yeah. farm thing. Yeah. I would totally. think that TC Boyle must have grown. Don't you think he must oh, yeah. have grown? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm he sure. He's speaking for TC Boyle, but he does live in Santa Barbara. Uh-huh. Yeah, if he didn't, he he knew so, he was close to somebody who did for sure. You know, and I was thinking we should talk about the ending and, you know, how it, I mean, without, you know, giving it away, there is a harvest and 
but how they dry is pretty interesting. And that, that doesn't go well, you know, I mean, after the harvest, you know, happens, it's one, one damn more thing, you know, it is, it's like the grapes of wrath for, you know, weeds. Like, oh my gosh, I could picture every bit of that shit. And so they leave and none of their wishes, the bookends this, I don't even think of it as a spoiler, but it's not like they ride off into the sunset, you know, it's not like everything's wrapped up with a bow. The only thing that's wrapped up with a bow is he knows what he's going to do next. Mm -hmm. The main character knows what he's going to do next. So you kind of get this good sense of completion of his like journey over the story from where he starts, you know, he's like heading, heading back to maybe be with the woman he loves or whatever. None of any of the activity that happened gets resolved at all. No. Right. Like it's a total mess. You don't know if anybody got their money. Mm-mm. You don't know if anybody bought any of the weed or if it ended up being okay. You don't know any of that, but it still felt done. Like that didn't mm-hmm. frustrate me. Did yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, would, yeah, it would never be the kind of thing that would have any kind of completion like that, you know? And I think it was funny that, you know, chapters, I was just looking at the section names, part one, preparing the soil, you know, and I, part two, germination, you know, so each of the sections has a, has a little of that going on as well. I'm going to try to read about part of their, <laughs> they basically rip up all their plants and shove them into some trash bags in the back of a truck. <laughs> I have to go down the terrible, terrible driveway. And then they need to get it somewhere. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So if you're not a grower, you'll be like, oh, that's kind of funny. But if you are a grower, this is the funniest thing ever. Okay. They dried the crop. Oh, it's so, I'm so, they've driven this truck to his apartment. <laughs> in, in like San Francisco proper. In the city. Yes. Yeah. Outside in the closed shadowy depths of the U-Haul van, a hundred bags of sodden marijuana stood ready to mildew rot, deliquesce into soup. So I noticed, I said, <laughs> Another thing I noticed was the shopping bag at Phil's feet. The paper was crisp and unblemished, and it bore the logo of the corner market. Inside, atop a six-pack of generic beer, were five spanking white cellophane-wrapped coils of clothesline. (laughs) Phil was watching me closely. In the background, White Noise's keyboard virtuoso was attempting an auditory recreation of the Siege of Britain. Gesh was watching me, too. The bombs fell. The machine guns rattled. What now, Phil said. We brought the pot in, one bag at a time, just after three. The streets were quiet. The glare of the street lamp softened by milky drizzle. Up the stairs and down, the landlord wondering at the thump of our footsteps. The sacks of contraband-like body bags, like pelf, like the insidious pods in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We worked quickly, quietly, our shoulders slumped with guilt, our eyes raking the streets for the first stab of the patrol car's headlights. <laughs> so they bring all this stuff in and they start basically hanging huge trees all over his apartment. apartment yeah. And they set the thermostat at 95 degrees and just hang out in there for five days. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it's just that. every move is more insane than the last. And, the and they're all this just in fun. it. By dawn, my roomy Victorian had the look and feel of a curing shed in Raleigh, North Carolina, and smelled <laughs> like the alley out back of a florist shop, toasted with Agent Orange. The air was just stifling, barely breathable. The rank, wet, seething odor of pot, of the pot pungent as filled perfume. It was 107 degrees in the living room. Desert winds roared from the vents and an electric <laughs> space heater glowed in the corner opposite of the crackling fireplace. The fans screamed for oil and we sweated like jungle explorers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And they're all so exhausted. So at the end of harvest last year, I had a friend who was visiting from New York City. And he's like, he's a comedian. He visits me about every other October and I find a place for him to do a show. And uh, so I'm like, hey, dude, that's Harvest. So if you visit me, you have to help with Harvest. <laughs> like, I can't just hang out. Like, I can't take off a couple of days during Harvest. He's like, oh, yeah, that'll be cool. I'll do that. And uh, it's he had not been working because of pandemic and he's kind of a city kid anyway. So you know, we're like 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. in it for a few days. And one day he comes home and he's sitting in a chair and I'm talking to him. I'm like, you know, stretching out my neck and I'm drinking a beer. And he just fell asleep, just sitting like upright, completely upright. He fell asleep, like not even slumped over, but just like, I was like, John, John. but I remembered we were all just kind of slap happy and delirious. And if you visited from the outside during that time, we all looked like, you know, everybody yeah. looked crazy. Everybody's moving fast and like has stuff all over their face and somebody's bleeding, but they don't notice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All wet and yeah, it's crazy looking. And you just don't stop because you're like, yeah. we can't stop now. Yeah. We yeah. have to finish, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, the idea of them just kind of looking at each other and like, yeah, you know, with very little discussion, yeah, stringing yeah. up a hundred plants in the house and blasting the heat. heat for five days. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a good, it was a good ending for sure. Yeah. He's about to get evicted. Yeah. He's trying to figure out what to do about that. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's just running out of bullshit to tell his landlord. He's yeah. like, Oh yeah, this happened. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, one of the things I wanted to talk about, even though I'll just, you know what, I'll do a little recording because this probably won't get released for a couple of weeks. So okay. I'll do a little recording of this part because I wanted to see if there's anything you had to promote. And I wanted to tell people about the bridge walk. So do you know anything about, do you know anything about the Michigan Caregivers Association bridge walk, like walking okay. across the bridge? Yeah, across the Mackinac Bridge on Labor Day, right? Yes, yes. So I was on Jazz Cabbage the other day, and that guy was kind of promoting that. So um, that's happening. And there's a lot of people fighting for caregivers' rights. That's still a thing happening in Michigan right now. What have you got going on? 
working on a event that's likely to happen in uh, Muskegon on October 30th. So keep an eye out for that. It's a, a consumption Halloween party and we are just finishing up licensing for that and it'll be in Muskegon um, on the afternoon of the 30th. So it's coming up, you know, follow me on Facebook or you'll find out about it if you, yeah, easy. Okay, okay, cool, cool. All yeah. right, so uh, Halloween, I love that. Okay, we'll talk about that separate, but um, I'm gonna stop this, do, do, do. okay. So um, any final words on growing or TC Boyle or budding prospect? You know, I'm waiting for the next really good book about the subject, you know, to come out. I just think that it's fascinating and it's interesting and um, so much has, has happened, but um, more fiction like this would be, be just great, you know? Oh, yeah. Get a funny story. So, no, I don't really, you know, I just keep reading everybody and, and uh, you know, books are, you know, books are best thing around. So. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much. Um, and thanks for listening. If you've been listening a while, please like, subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate that. And it is very helpful. So go smoke some weed, read some books, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.